0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the New Books and Psychoanalysis, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm Helena Wiesing, the host of the channel. And today we'll be talking to Emma Jones about her book, being as Relation in Lucy Irigaray, published by Palgrave Macmillan. Emma Jones, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Emma, I wonder if you could begin by telling us a bit about yourself.
0: Sure. Uh, so, I am living in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I'm a practicing psychotherapist here, working a lot with couples and also individuals from sort of psychoanalytic, psychotherapeutic standpoint. Um, I'm also a consultant for nonprofit organizations, mostly dealing with uh, human services, trauma, social justice. Um, So I would say like healthy relationships is kind of a through line of the work that I'm doing um, in both of those areas. Uh, But prior to becoming a clinician, um, I also have a PhD in philosophy, which is where I started the research that is in the book we'll be speaking about. Um, so I did that at the University of Oregon, and then later I went and uh, attended the California Institute of Integral Studies, where I got my clinical degree. Um, yeah, so that is me. Thank you.
1: And I am very much looking forward to hearing more about this this journey, where you are now and the the work for the book. so um what what motivated you to write this book? How about we we start there? how How did this book come into being?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, there's there are d- different threads I feel like I could pull to to discuss that one um but as I said you know was my uh well in a way it was my philosophy dissertation is where it it began it it has evolved because I actually wrote that dissertation over 10 years ago so the well, the book now is you know like the embryonic version started wow. uh, about over 10 years ago yeah amazing Um, mm -hmm. so part of the question is like how I've got into the dissertation in the first place. And then the other piece is how it actually became, you know, like the present day book. Um, Yeah. How I got into the dissertation, uh, I was reflecting on it, you know, since you sent me the question and I, uh, didn't initially plan to do my dissertation focused on the work of Lucy Rikerai really at all, but, um, I couldn't stop (laughs) like focusing on her work, So there was just like something so powerful about it. I think I initially um maybe read a text by her the first time when I was in college. And it was Speculum of the Other Woman, which is one of her early, um, you know, very well known, like what her early, not her very earliest writing, but one that made an impression. Um and yeah, like the impression that it made on me was was huge, like just reading it and encountering this idea about some something that has been excluded or repressed, though the text is talking about difference or femininity being something that's different that's been repeatedly repressed throughout the history of psychoanalysis and philosophy and some some something about just that uh, thesis like really impacted me personally um, and uh, stayed with me so throughout I just kept experiencing throughout my uh, studies in philosophy like despite whatever I intended to write about I always ended up Writing about Erika So like it's like I'd be writing a paper for a course and she would come into it uh, because she just seemed to have this this voice that was like in the back of my mind saying things could be different, so some something should be different things could be different. We could think about this differently. There's some sort of other point of view or other scene or other uh location that we could be approaching this from, if that makes sense. So I I've had this like experience of not being able to ignore that um which turned okay. which you know sort of turned into like I'm now I'm writing a dissertation about her work because it's like insistent
1: yeah that makes sense because it's also my experience of reading her is that it's challenging because she really challenges you to really Im- imagine a different way of thinking like there's mm-hmm. a there's a challenge there of like r- really changing yeah not just what you think, but how you think about things. So, um, I I mean, I I think it's very commonly understood that it, it can be challenging to read her. But when I was reading your book, I found it really helpful the way you introduce it, the way that you explain like how to approach her writing. And you also make it mm-hmm. clear that you're not trying to do this complete presentation of all of her work as that would be like way too big of a project, right? You, you make it clear that you have certain aspects and threads that you are focusing on. And specifically the way her work is about envisioning a new way of encountering otherness. And mm-hmm. how we can have a productive relation to difference and otherness. I mean, I know this is specific focus, and yet it's also some huge themes. But There's I really, fun, yeah. I really appreciated how you you set it up in the introduction. You make that really clear. Um, but I'd love to hear some more about the that choice for you that you came to mm-hmm. decide to focus on these specific aspects of her work
0: yes that was another aspect that just kept like coming back for me so um so you know like it's it's a little bit oversimplifying to say it like this but the I was describing reading Speculum of the Other Woman that's you know part of her earliest works where the energy is really about this idea that something has been repressed and lost and then in her so-called later works which I mentioned in the book I'm referring to like basically anything after the year 2000 she's written so many books that it's Hard to decide what counts as, as, you know, she's written up until just last year, I think, books. Um, but in the later ones, the, there's this ca- repeating description about about a relationship to otherness, um, and she flushes it out in different there are different images for it and different ways that she speaks about it. But it just kept being so compelling to me. Something about, like you said, using language differently, using thought differently, in order to relate to something someone who is other to me in a in a more whether you know there are different words that she might use or I might use open way respectful way loving way like all these different things um but yeah how I came to focus on that I think it just it wouldn't it wouldn't leave me alone because partly um I feel like if I if I go back to when I was first working on this research uh you know I was in the middle of doing this philosophy PhD but I also felt sort of <laughs> like what, I guess what I'm saying is eventually I would decide to become a clinician. So I think part of me was a little impatient with uh, philosophy. And I felt like we are spending a lot of time on concepts and elucidating minute details of things, which can be very valuable, but it was like this idea about relating to otherness seems so much more um, immediate, like urgent, you know? So it's like, I'm sitting there thinking like we can really, and I talk about this in the book in terms of Feminist theory, and I can we'll probably talk about it more here. But we can be spending a lot of time wondering about like what's the definition of a woman, who who is one? Like, how? Is it biological? Is it cultural? Is it the, you know where? Like, we could spend a lot of time on this. But while we're talking about it, there are like these relational things that are happening: violence in relationships, um, right? Is trans women being murdered? Like these things are going on. So I think that's why the relation relation to otherness. It didn't feel it wasn't just theoretical you know to me it was like is she is asking us to do something different um to change our thinking so we can change how we live how we help each other survive and, and thrive so for the it was more like an alive question and like you said it's of course it's a huge question um but it was a more it just has that energy to me of like urgency i think is the word yeah
1: Yes. And that, yeah, that urgency of relating to other otherness. Uh, also, I, I can I certainly see what you mean. Like that's a very alive question because it, it does become very concrete and real. I mean, for all of yeah. us in our immediate lives. Um, so, I mean, maybe we could kind of go go right into that because one of the big Boy. questions that you also address that is, you know, the the tricky thing of even talking about otherness and the other is um, this concept of difference, specifically sex with difference, Mm -hmm. which is one of Iver Gray's terms. So I wondered if you could kind of go go to that, if we could take that and talk a bit about that. What is it she means by that? And because there's a lot of challenges and discussions around that term i'd love to hear your take on this term
0: yeah absolutely i was just going to say you know whatever whatever i say will be you know an interpretation in some in some ways right of what your texts are not that's one of the i think great things but also frustrating things for maybe many of erica's readers right as we feel like there are these kind of questions that are not answered in a straightforward way like what is sexual difference or why like you know um so I think that could be sort of maddening but yeah uh, I, I did want to just hopefully if it would be helpful to just briefly discuss the actual term because she did change from using uh, sexual dif- or the translation of it anyway is sexual difference um, in the earlier writing so if you look like at her writings from the 70s and um, 80s it says in the English translation it says sexual difference and then nowadays they say sexuate difference with a t um, so in French it's sex, sexua with an e on the end versus sexuel So I think my understanding of that is that she's not necessarily that the meaning has changed, but trying to emphasize something that's really actually hard for us to think, which is like, how do you think about sexuate difference Um, outside of this like binary between either biological or cultural? So basically outside of a mind and body dualism, that's very hard for us to think outside of since that's really that dualism is like ingrained in so much. Western, every uh, science, yes, yeah. everything, right? So like, so that's one, I think that's why it's so like, hmm, what is this and having to invent new words to try and like encompass something more, we would could probably say holistic, but you know, I don't know if that captures the complexity, but it's like, it's in other words, it's not just biologic. Holistic makes it sound like you just, it's biological and it's cultural and you add them together, but it's, it's more than that. It's like those two things were never separate. Um, which I think is hard for us to think about. It's, it's a, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Counter intuitive or something like that. But so I, that's my understanding of se- trying to think through like sexuate difference is trying to think about being an embodied human being who has, who is sexed in some way. Right. It's even hard to like speak about, but like who is sexed in some way. Um, where biology and culture cannot meaningfully be separated where exactly yeah where they cannot meaningfully be separated like this categories and in fact this difference i think she's trying to say is to really grasp this relation of difference would be to like really unseat these oppositions of of mind and body so like you can't it just doesn't it's not it's like a different logic i guess Mm -hmm. the like if we were to really take seriously um, maybe, and I can probably explain more what I mean by that, but the, the taking difference seriously in this philosophical way would like change these up oppos- you know, would destabilize, I guess, these oppositions. And so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so how, we are like a sexed being, in other words, not a neutral being there's differences between us. That's what I think it means. There's embodied differences between us, but they're not, they don't live in one or the other Yeah. Of those <laughs> realms that we often try to make them live in
1: and that's that's helpful when you're explaining it like that i think it really points to this the way that she's she's already challenging us to look at the way we think in in, in terms mm-hmm. of categories and that that you yeah. seem to kind of you seem when i was reading you seem to be like enthusiastic about the potentials of her 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 the way she challenges us. Like you you yeah. I, I felt reading that you were kind mm. of wanting me to discover how mm. she can challenge
0: us if we are
1: open to being challenged.
0: Yeah. 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 I am enthusiastic about it, um, for sure. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's too much to jump into, but I guess what you're saying makes me think about the difference between I uh, talking about things from a relational point of view versus defining or identity i think it's related to your question about sexual difference mm-hmm. i believe so like there's uh this i guess this is one of the potentials that i'm excited about right is the potential is that she's trying to get us to shake up the way we think about like an identity so to give it ex- like in terms of sexual difference an identity like an identity saying this is woman this is man or right? this is even this is a non-binary person Th- those are like sort of things i guess it, you know like like To to say I am a blank, like a noun, like I'm this thing, um, is like what I'm talking about in the book as a focusing on kind of definition or identity. Um, That's what is so exciting about, I feel like, to really try to take seriously her challenge is she's trying to say that there's something about difference that hasn't really been thought and related to. So like in order to say like this person over here is a woman or a man, we've already done a lot of like, there's, there's a lot that's already happened. We've actually sort of repressed a lot of like fluid uncertainty of things in order to say, this is a like sort of countable unified subject who is a man. Like we've, there's a lot of like mechanisms that are already at work. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we've had to like exclude so much. We've actually had to like push a lot of difference away in order to say, right. This there's some sameness that we call like a man or a woman. <laughs> which doesn't mean that we don't emerge as like men or women or non-binary persons or whatever at, at different times but like or even across time I mean we do but like the identities are not so static I think or they're in order to get to the place where you're saying this is the identity you've already like you've already done something so she's saying well what if we go back to that place where we that that repression happened and we actually relate to that difference in a new way
1: yeah, and those mechanisms already at play, like you say, mm-hmm. like we've already done something like the way I understood that is, is this, like the way that we already have these assumptions in our thinking around subjectivity and individuality to be an individual, where, you know, maybe this is a little, rough, I'm saying it here, roughly said in modern Western culture, there is this understanding of the individual subject. Um, and then relationality is kind of secondary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm simplifying here, but, but the whole kind of move of rigorous thinking. And I feel like with the, the the ongoing thread in your book is to always come back to how can we change that thinking to come back to thinking of um you know subjectivity as a relational event in and of itself mm-hmm. and how An thing? Mm-hmm. yeah and how when we when we think about uh, ourselves as relationally like con- in in our constitution uh like we can't e- we can't understand ourselves outside relationality that also changes the way we understand others and otherness
0: both ourselves and others mm-hmm.
1: so i i i'd love to hear how you have uh, your journey of grappling with these the concept of the concepts of self and other individual subjectivity mm-hmm. um how rigore has challenged or a, inspired your thinking on that Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so this yeah this might be a good time to to use the term so i the term that i sort of came up with in this book was relational limit um that is a term i've been kind of using for a long time to try and to try and i guess capture this like thread that i found in her work that and maybe beyond her work you know something that i've taken up this idea that it's some you know trying to capture something about sameness and otherness um, with the caveat, I think that like her work really resists, you know, say, saying like, I have this like label, I don't think she would ever, you know, write in the way that I did, you know, using this term to kind of thematize something that isn't the way that she works, but it is the way my mind works. So I think it helped me to like, to find a, to, some words to use for it anyway, but I think maybe explaining what I mean by that term will be a way to start answering your question. Um, so relational limit, I was trying to pack a lot into that phrase, but it's it's um, trying to think about ways of relating to otherness. A way to think, a way to say it, I think is like, there's sort of two, a rigor i see that maybe that there's been two options and neither one of which is very satisfactory. It's either we take the other and I'm saying the other, you know, we say that in philosophy, just meaning whatever other, it, it, any kind of difference really. Uh, either the other uh, is like, understood in terms of a category that we already have um in our world right which but that's sort of like violent towards the other it brings them in and pegemonizes them and makes them part of something it doesn't maybe doesn't preserve their difference uh so that's not so satisfactory to either like digest the other in that way uh or like totally cast out and said to be completely wholly other transcendently other like so other that you just can't even
1: outside of category
0: outside of categories outside of the world um sometimes she says that's like god you know it's it's like a really unreachable other so i think in in my experience of like reading through much of her her work is that there's many different themes in her work of course but one that keeps coming back is that there's these two ways and she's trying to come up with like a third way which is what i'm calling like a are coming up with a relational limit, like which would be, how do you be in relation with what is other or and who is other? So in other words, not saying, you know, they're so far outside of my understanding that I have no relation to them. I'm going to have a relation, but it's not one where I just make them part of my preexisting categories. So it would, it's, if you can't use your preexisting categories in language, but you have to have a relation, you have to come up with something new, right? Like, so it's like a, a mutual mutuality where the two who are different are going to have to like invent something there's like an impetus to it. I think there's an energy in that idea because it's saying that you need to, in fact, it's like imperative for human beings. I think is what she's trying to say. It's like an imperative for us to try and come up with some new way of speaking that is more, that's like listening to the other and responding. So it comes into like a dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where the theme about dialogue comes in because there's no dialogue if the other is just completely outside of all of my conceptual schema. Like there's nothing can be said Mm -hmm. about it. Um, So in the book, I sort of, go through like there's a lot of dense you know chapters uh about her inheritance from like Lacanian psychoanalysis but I think that was part of one of her reactions to Lacan's theory because there are some times in his theory where he's in his theoretical writings where he seems to be saying especially about women and sexual difference that nothing can be said I mean I think that's a direct quote you know nothing can be said there is no sexual relation there are these quotes in Lacan about that it's like this unspeakable women's and pleasure is this unspeakable godlike thing that you can't come into any kind of like relationship with so I sort of took her in a way to be reacting to that and she's saying like yeah that's true under these circumstances that's true because you can't under the circumstances where you refuse to relate to anything different in a different way if you, if you under, under the condition that everything has to be like legible in terms of this like phallic system of Patriarch, you know, what, you know, there's various words you could use, but basically if you have to make the other legible in your system, you lost something, but if you cast them out completely, you lost something. So how do you come into a relation? And that relation would change us. In fact, it like create us. I think it's like a co-creating.
1: Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. co-creating because like when I, the part about the relational limit, you also talk about how like there's you, you kind of, you will always struggle in that encounter with otherness mm-hmm. but then you there is an opportunity to return to self yeah and that is also where you're offered you know an opportunity to discover self so yeah, oh yes thank you for saying dependent mm-hmm. on other to then kind of bump bump up against the other yes. and then yes, exactly. in then your return and but mm-hmm. but that's an ongoing dynamic right and a struggling Correct. one yes Mm-hmm
0: yeah, th- I'm glad you added that last part. That is another. That's the last piece about the relation about what I meant. So I'm really trying to make this word do a lot, <laughs> do a lot here. But relational limit. That was the other part of it. Is that it doesn't. It's not just about me coming into relation with the other. It then delineates. It's like this to and fro that carves out this place of me also. Because, you know, I think there's even a sort of more everyday way to think about it. Like, you think about different people bringing out different parts sides of us, or you learn about yourself. Like. So if, like I do couples therapy, right. You can see, or even one, even not even individual therapy, you have an experience of like, Oh, the other sees the situation differently. It actually turns a little light bulb on of like, that means I, you know, it helps you elucidate how you saw the situation or how you feel about something when you see the difference or like when you hold the difference. Right. And you don't just say, that's nonsense. My way was the right way. That's what I'm trying you know, so if you just say, oh, that's my way was the right way, you're not going to like grow at all. But if you go, it, it helps you learn about you. And then you might even wonder like, well, why did I see it that way? Or, you know, it could spark curiosity. So yeah. So that's like a more kind of practical example of, I think what I'm trying, what I mean about that, but yeah, that we are our sense of who we are. And even in fact, who we are is like carved out from that. Uh, that to and fro ness of like going. And I mean, I, I didn't come up with that exactly, that she describes a process in various of her texts about venturing out towards the other and returning to oneself, or returning to oneself in order to prepare a place. She often says it like that.
1: She, that's other, where she draws on Heidegger for that
0: part a lot, right? Heidegger's philosophy for those parts. She's, yeah, and she's been like increasingly drawing on Heidegger a lot in the last 10, 15 years um yeah which yeah
1: but by all means you mentioned that practical sample you know also you being a clinician and cobbles therapy I think that's such a rich (laughs) practical example so uh, Mm -hmm. I mean I mean let's let's see how I mean this is not just these abstract uh, philosophical terms right this is something that really applies to clinical work um and i'd love to hear your experiences with that how how you've experienced now as a clinician how this work informs um the clinical work
0: yeah it's something i've been thinking about a lot because i i know that it informs it and yet it's like hard to put it in words um because I've studied regret for a long time, I think has probably like formed me and formed me in different ways. Um, and she is also a, she was a psychoanalyst. I think she's retired from it, but she doesn't write about almost never. She has occasionally, like, written about the practice, but she doesn't usually present that kind of writing. So I I do have a little, not as I guess it's not little, uh, <laughs> medium to large interest in trying to. Articulate that you know for myself or or for others too. Um, yeah, and, and couples therapy presents like a not more again is in a way like a more obvious venue to think about it. But like I said, I think it applies anyway. So one piece, yeah, is one piece of my thinking about it is trying to think about where we can see that relational limit idea, I guess, and how like how does that function? Um, like I think it like for example, does the can the therapist in a couples therapy or analysis situation be uh, like holding, be like kind of become the relational limit. I guess another could like, be like this holding space for each to come into relation with the other and and hold the two together and like show them uh, what that would look like. That's, that's a, a, something that I sort of play with nice. um, in my mind. When I reflect on my work, I'm like, is that, am I doing that? I don't know. I have, you know, keeping an open mind to try to see because it's so hard to like put practice into concepts and then kind of have to go back to, practice and go back to concepts and it's another to and fro in my opinion. But yeah, so I'm thinking about that. Like maybe that the therapist is like, that's one way of like letting these ideas inform it would be that to think about ourselves as like, even with individuals that we would be like something about the position of the therapist or analyst is showing is helping to show is providing a limit to the other, to the patient that, that they can start to see themselves, you know, take form um, in, in a way, like like you said, bumping up against, right? Emerging, whether it's bumping up against your partner in a couple's therapy, or even bumping against the therapist as a-
1: In individual as therapy.
0: A, as a, yeah, in individual therapy, yeah, it could be bumping up against the therapist, you know, it's not, I, and I've tried to think about it, like, would it be that, that the therapist, you know, discloses something about themselves as a different real other versus being more, you know, the, the blank screen that people talk about, like- is that non-relational versus relational? But I don't think it's really about that. It's like something happens in all therapy where we, or at least I think you see patients go from assuming that their experience is sort of just reality to like realizing that it's their experience. And that's my idea of the, you know, I think that touches upon the idea about being relationally limited is realizing that you're, I mean, you know, like for example, I I imagine therapists and analysts can understand what I mean. So People will say like, well, isn't that just isn't that just normal or isn't this just, doesn't this way that I'm reacting to the situation, isn't that how anybody would? And then over time, it's like, well, this is how you reacted to the situation, like your specific subjectivity. Mm.
1: That makes and, sense? Yes, and also the the, the whole question of sexual difference. I I, I think I mean, we're living in times with these waves of, of discourse and discussion and explorations of that that I think mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of impossible to think of the therapeutic relationship outside that. Like, I, I don't think it's possible to have a therapeutic relationship without sex with difference presenting itself. You also talk about how sex with difference is not just the classic, you know, male, female, but can really present itself uh, pretty much in any relationship. Mm-hmm. Because of the, the 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 layers of it, um, and will come. So I I was thinking when I was re- reading that that it, it will always come up in the therapeutic relationship, mm-hmm. and and maybe some of our collective struggles is that we have a lot of like mm, tension around difference, right? And like there's such an ethical project of you know changing like the association of like difference as bonding as positive as where we come into being Mm. relationally as opposed to difference being the the problem to fix that was one of the 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 thoughts I had of reading your book around how to Mm. uh and let this Mm. inspire clinical practice certainly like with Mm couples therapy and others like there's a, a lot of like grievances around uh, the differences right oh can mm-hmm. we just can we do couples therapy so we can get rid of our mm-hmm. you know, the uh, yeah. difference is a sting right it's it's a problem and reading this book it's like we see that difference is not the problem it's actually the the root of everything
0: yes oh wow you really put that beautifully i think i mean that's I'm very pleased that that came across. That's definitely right. What I think, what I believe for sure. And yes, and that's a good example. Like when you have people come for couples therapy, sometimes one or both people might imagine that the solution would be that the other person finally sees it their way, right? You know, so the difference is, is gone rid of or um, isn't so bothersome anymore. But that's what exactly what I mean about the relationship, about coming to realize it's your way. <laughs> There's such a, there could be like a real beauty to that. Um, you know, in a really wonderful creative moment of like, oh, this is, you know, that a creative moment of difference. I mean, I, I, guess, I don't mean to like, I guess it could sound, you know, I don't know, uh, naive, like it's not going to be always like there are differences that are a problem, I, you know, or that can have, it's not the differences themselves that are a problem. I think it's the way of relating to it. Um, and, yes. Yeah. And I guess another point that would be important to say, uh, philosophical point is like, oh, Hold on, I need to gather my thoughts about it. But yeah, um, well, is that the the ethical imperative? Is because it's like you said, difference is what allows us to come into being. Because of that, the, it's a vulnerability. I, is what I'm trying. Is what I want to mention. It's there's really a vulnerability, right? If we actually take it seriously, that we don't like fully exist on our own. You know, like we need these relationships to help co-create and co-articulate our subjectivity. That that leaves us hope. that means that like, we depend on each other. It's right? so somebody can uh, really harm, you know, like prevent somebody else's subjectivity from, and not just their subjectivity, like their physical person too. But but in this case, talking about their subjectivity, you can like really like prevent it from growing. I mean, I think that is part of your, your work. Going way back to the beginning of her work is what she's saying. Like she calls it femininity, but it, I don't think it just means women something has been not allowed to happen. Some relationship has been not allowed to happen. Um, but the very fact that that's possible is because we depend on each other to like yes, help us grow.
1: Yeah. When you talk about vulnerability there, that makes me think about uh, the vulnerability that can come with the, you know, being challenged to look at how so much of our um our, our theory, our um, philosophy, and our history, I mean, in psych- psychoanalysis, that we've had a lot of um, uh, theoretical uh, baggage, so to say, that has been mm-hmm. limiting and with blind spots. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we still struggle with that in the field of psychology, certainly in the field of psychoanalysis, to to reckon with that, of, of looking at how our, our theories um, have had blind spots. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, and I, uh, that was just my association when you talked about the vulnerability. And I think it's probably hard for us, like collectively as a field to be challenged on our blind spots.
0: Yeah. Blind spots, um, makes me think about, yeah, that's sort of, sort of, I talk about in different places in the book about not like what I would think would be like a non-relational limit to try to contrast with the relational limit. And it's kind of like a blind spot is like that right where you're, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's either you've looked, like refused to see something that's different or uh, you just didn't see it like sort of repressed it or had it, right? that's uh, what's, what is a blind spot exactly Right? I don't, you know, it could be caused by different mechanisms, I suppose. Rather, mm. it's like it's not, it's not always a conscious refusal to see something, but no, it could no be definitely like
1: a- not. It not always, but I'm thinking blind spots. I'm also thinking of like that voice that was not included, right? Which is a mm. a, a big uh you know, yeah. Like the whether mm. that's the feminine or other, like the 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 voices not included, right? The voices that for yeah. various reasons were not included, were excluded, were not acknowledged, right? Like there's always that 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 tension there when that voice somehow like comes in um to Mm -hmm. the conversation and and like when like you say when there has been historically a consensus around what is registered Mm -hmm. as as a voice um then that which was outside Mm -hmm. of that category when that will try to kind of come into the conversation uh, it kind of disrupts and, and presents mm-hmm. this challenge. That was what I was thinking of, of. of yes. Yes. Spots mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah. the, and, the disenfranchised voices, if you will.
0: Yeah. That's exactly where we have that, that, I guess, in a way it's like a decision point or not, right. right? Do you subsume this voice and say into the legible discourse or say it's me, you know, these it's, it's craziness, it's madness. It's doesn't, it's, we can't understand it. Or do you try to understand, you know, do you shift yourself in trying to understand it? Um The not the one way to think of like the non-relational stance or non-relational limit, however it comes to be is the, it's like we sort of have a tendency to imagine that we just are regularized words are the whole of reality, right? Like, like our point of view is like the whole of reality. Um, I mean, she calls this like a masculine tendency, which kind of opens a whole nother can of worms, but um. I think she thinks it is but you know i think it is a tendency probably of all of us at some time or another consciously or not to just sort of assume that our way is the whole of reality so like in the last chapter of the book i related it to it doesn't just have to i was saying it's we could think of it not just about men and women but what about like cisgender and transgender people being this term cisgender didn't even you know came into being because people realized there was a difference right before that was like, we're just the whole of reality. We're just, you know, quote unquote, normal or something. It's like the category that isn't marked as different, right? So you have an opportunity when another voice comes in to question that, if that makes sense as a blind spot to you have an opportunity to say, well, wait a minute, maybe my experience of my gender is, is particular. And this other person has a different one. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I mean that, that, this, uh, around dialogue here it, it also points to how she she uh, there's such a focus on that the ethical or the ethos of um of of uh, her work um i mean do you think you could you say that she's a, a an ethical philosopher because it seems like there's also this this ongoing thread in her in her work or a lot of her work and and your book about the ethics of it like the ethics as the yeah. the main like um uh, question uh, around this like the ethics of re- relating
0: yeah and it, that speaks to what I was saying about the urgency about you know these questions seem more urgent and they are ethical uh yeah I definitely think she's an ethical philosopher you know back when I was first working on the project in the field of philosophy it's sort of like sometimes viewed as two different like it's either ethical there's ethical philosophy or moral philosophy. Then there's ontology is like a separate field. So sometimes people would say to me like, well, which one is it? You know, cause I wrote about, and the original title was like a big mouthful about a rigorous ethics of her ontology of, you know, it had all these like words in it because I think they're actually joined together. But what that, just to put it more simply, what that means is like her, she is an ethical philosopher. It's, it's, um, it's not an ethical philosopher in the sense of like a code, moral code, Uh, or rules but it is like in the sense that to just to understand who what we are and who we are in our beings so the ontology part um is inherently includes a um it inherently includes a like a request sort of or a maybe a demand right like to if you if you think that what a human subject is is somebody who comes into being and becomes a speaking subject and a desiring person and a sexual body and all these things, if all of those things come into being in relation, it, we have a responsibility as a better word to respect that relation to difference or to figure out what to, you know, to find a way to have it be mutually flourishing and not oppressive. Um, like we depend on difference. So, so the ethics is in there i guess is what i'm saying it's it's describing how it is but it's also at the same time it describes how it is it asks you to to do some work
1: yeah the work of uh, of thinking about how we think about difference mm, uh, that yeah. seemed to be like like the 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 ethics of it uh, to me when i was reading it uh, this message of like ensuring that that we we question and think about how we think about self and other and relationality um but it's hard because it's like we have to kind of try to look around the event horizon of how we are even thinking about something um that's the work of of challenging ourselves in 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 that way I wanted to uh, also hear how you said the book now in its present form and you're thinking a bit about the clinically. So do you have any, have you had any thoughts on how to develop or expand on this for clinical work or any other future projects that you wanted to develop uh, on this? Because I can't imagine that you're done with the (laughs) rigour.
0: No, I'm certainly not done. Um, yeah, I've, I am trying to decide. I mean, maybe it's not an either or, but um, I feel two two different ways, like like whether to try and write something more about this relational limit concept that um, doesn't move away from a regret, but just tries to articulate it in a more kind of direct, like accessible way that because the book, as you read, it's, it's very, it has some hopefully accessible parts. There's a lot of, more in-depth philosophical you know parts to it um so one thing I'd like to think about doing is try to think about how to write about relation versus identity maybe in a more political context or in a more like directly applicable to a broader group of people you know broader audience kind of context um so that's one idea that I have like I mean, I've written some, there's one, you know, chapter that I, uh, not in not in that book, but in another place that I've written about politics of relation versus of identity, for example. Um, so that's one. And then the other part would be to get to develop a more, cl- in a more for like a clinical audience. So I'd like to do both of those things. I don't know when and exactly how <laughs> uh, I, I have started writing about Eureka and couples therapy, but it's just one, it's not like a book project yet, but we'll see where it goes. Um, to try and see, like, what would the features be? We could even say what kind of comportment, you know, that would suggest, or the features, or the... It's such a different theoretical lens is what I found from other uh, schools of, like, therapy. A lot of times, they there's overlap, but they don't... Yeah, they don't... They're not not so much about the ontological part, you know? So uh, is that... How does that affect the practice of, of psychotherapy? I'd be interested to work on that more.
1: That sounds very, very exciting i uh I look very much forward to to that um, so um thank you so much. I really appreciate uh you coming uh on here and to to uh, talk about your book. Thanks,
0: yeah, thank you.